Hello, I'm Mercedes. And I'm Tash, and you're listening to episode 202 of Chat Disney. Welcome back to another episode of the Chat Disney podcast. And today, we're going to be a little bit negative here on the Chat Disney podcast, shock horror. And we're going to be talking all about the 10 things we hate about Disney. So definitely make sure you listen to this episode. But before we get into that, let's have a quick look at what has been happening in the world of Disney this week. So we've been experiencing some pretty bad weather across Europe over the last week. And there was a really awful storm at Disneyland Paris. And the storm actually managed to smash a window in Disney Village. So there is a Lego store in Disney Village that I'm sure you're very familiar with if you've been to Disneyland Paris. And unfortunately, the whole storefront smashed. There was glass all over the floor. And there are actually pictures online of guests amongst this kind of smashed glass. Luckily, nobody got injured, but it just shows how awful the weather really has been recently. Heading over to Disneyland for some news today. And park hopping changes are being implemented from 1pm to 11am, which is very positive. And more dates through 2023 are now being the lowest season cheapest tickets than 2022. So if you are in California, then you are able to get into the park on for a cheap price on more days than last year. Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway will open with a virtual queue. I'm not too surprised by that news. And finally, Bob Iger was in the park this week thanking cast members for everything they do. How lovely. And that links nicely to our first bit of news from Walt Disney World this week. And I'm so, so excited about this music to my ears. If you are staying at a Walt Disney World resort hotel, a deluxe resort hotel, I will just caveat that with, housekeeping or mousekeeping, as it is lovingly called, has been reinstated daily. Now, this might sound like a very entitled bit of news, but the level of mousekeeping that I received when I was in Walt Disney World was shocking. They only came every other day. And honestly, I actually don't know what they did. They didn't even make the bed. (laughs) And when you're paying those ridiculous prices to stay at somewhere like the Grand Floridian or the Contemporary, I think it's the least that Disney can do. So this is very, very good news. And hopefully we'll see this change at the moderates and the values soon as well. Splash Mountain has finally closed its doors this week. Very, very sad. And guests aren't quite over it. In fact, one removed a sign from the queue. It was the You May Get Wet sign featuring Brer Rabbit. Mysteriously disappeared a couple of days before the attraction closed. And Disney, I believe a cast member has confirmed that it was stolen by a fan. Characters are back at Walt Disney World, so you can see Minnie and Daisy at Pete's Silly Sideshow, which is very exciting in Storybook Circus, Enchanted Tales with Belle in Fantasyland, and Ariel's Grotto also in Fantasyland, Fantasyland, have also returned this week. Is the Festival of the Arts in Epcot and who is front and centre? Well, none other than Figment himself. There is an entire figment booth including special limited edition figment merchandise some really cool stuff available and the item that i'm most excited about a figment fruitcake munchling you heard me right a fruitcake figment whatever way you want to say it munchling is available at festival of the arts exclusively at epcot right now 
We've had a cast member preview date confirmed for Tron. So Tron is coming in April. We've finally had the opening date. But if you are a Walt Disney World cast member, you'll be able to ride the attraction as early as February. And final bit of Walt Disney World news for you all this week. Now, it is no secret that the Disney Star Walk Galactic Star Cruiser Hotel has been struggling. And with that hefty price ticket, it is hardly surprising. There's reports that guests who are booked on dates with low availability have actually had their trips cancelled because there are not enough people on the Star Cruiser to make it worth Disney's while. And there's a new discount that's valid until the 30th of September 2023, which means that if you go to the Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser experience, you will be offered $700 off a Disney hotel stay, either for the two days immediately before or after your voyage. $700. I mean, some of the Disney hotels cost that much for two nights. So they're basically saying, hey, come and do the Galactic Star Cruiser and we'll let you stay at a Disney hotel for free. This reeks of desperation. And is anyone really surprised that the Star Cruiser has not taken off? Yeah, that is absolute madness, but I am not surprised. Heading over to Shanghai Disneyland, and Donald's Dine and Delights is now open in Disney Town, and of course it is hosted by none other than the Duck himself. And the bistro serves up freshly baked pizzas, over-the-top milkshake, and whimsical desserts, all in a charming Parisian-style garden setting. And let's hope there's not a hoisin duck pizza in sight. I hope so too. And sticking with Asian parks, a little bit of news from Hong Kong Disney this week. Mickey and Friends de- debut some brand new Disney 100 outfits. And I'm sure we're going to see Mickey and the gang in lots of different Disney 100 outfits all over the world. But the Hong Kong outfits are silver, white and royal blue. And I think they're rather nice. I couldn't agree more. We've got some Disney Plus news as well, leaving parks today. And Disney are bringing back popular cartoon Phineas and Ferb with 40 new episodes. So Ennius, any Phineas, Ennius, any Phineas and Ferb fans out there, this is one for you to watch. And something I'm really excited about that Mercedes sent to me earlier this week, there is a teaser posted for Tiana coming to Disney+. Plus. Now, we've seen an image of Tiana with the caption, the frog days are over, little play on the dog days are over, and I am very, very excited for this. Yay, me too. And speaking of movals, movals are Marvel movies. I'm giving away my next topic. Speaking of movals, <laughs> movies, we also have some news from Marvel Studios. Gosh, I can't get my words out today as well. And this is a really exciting one. So Bob Iger, the man, the myth, the legend himself, has secured a deal with the Chinese government, which allows Marvel movies back in cinemas. And this is after a four-year hiatus under Bob Chapek's reign. Absolutely. And finally, 23 rare Disney artifacts have been revealed as part of the Disney 100 exhibit exhibit in Philadelphia. Now, the exhibition is starting in Philadelphia, but it will also be coming to Munich for a European premiere before wrapping up at London's Excel in autumn this year. And we will, of course, let you know on here as soon as tickets go on sale. And that pretty much sums up everything that has been happening in the world of Disney this week. We're now going to move on to the main part of the episode, 10 Things We Hate About Disney. Now, I feel like sometimes people, well, we know people have reviewed us in the past and said that sometimes we can be a little bit negative about Disney. So last week we did 10 things we love about about Disney. 
and what it means to us. So we went in with the positive and now in true chat Disney fashion, we are going to go in with the negative because, hey, it's always fun to have a rant. And I think that personally, it just makes us and shows that we are authentic Disney fans, that when there are things that we're not afraid to critique and, you know, have criticisms over with Disney. So I'm really excited to, to get into this and see what gets your goat about Disney Mercedes. So why don't you kick us off? Brilliant. Yes. I'd gladly love to kick us off. So the first thing that I'm going to complain about, and I don't know how to succinctly number number one, but here it is, is the whole concept of the Disney adult movement. So Disney adult is a term that's used online to describe normally young adults who are Disney fans, Disney park goers, and do not have children. So we're not talking about parents here. We're talking typically about millennials, sometimes Gen Z, as I say, kind of 20 and 30 year olds that love Disney, love going to the parks, love consuming Disney content on social media, but do not have children. In short, I fall into this category, right? I am a Disney adult. I'm a millennial. I'm a woman. I'm in my 30s. I do not have children. I frequent Disney parks. Now, the reason that I absolutely hate the Disney adult movement is that unfortunately, like so many movements on social media, it's used really, really negatively. And it's got very negative connotations. People are often bullied on social media for being Disney adults. People don't understand where the passion and the love comes from from. They're often told to grow up or it's just a phase. And, you know, didn't you stop loving Disney cartoons when you're a kid like the rest of us? It normally gets a lot of pushback. And the reason I wanted to talk about this today, actually, as well, again, you know, the internet, unfortunately, does spawn a lot of hate. And there's a viral video that's going around at the moment on TikTok. And it's of a parenting TikTok creator. I have seen some of her content in the past. She often talks about raising a family as a single mother and on a budget. She did a great sort of stocking filler video at Christmas time, talking about some of the quick wins you can put in your children's stockings that don't cost an arm and the leg. And last week, this particular TikToker took her children to Disneyland Paris for the first time. And she posted, honestly, the most negative video I have ever seen of Disney. And this is coming from Tash and I, who are doing a 10 Reasons We Hate Disney video today or podcast today. This video, honestly, I had to comment on it. It left me absolutely furious. She arrived at Disneyland Paris in the middle of the afternoon. She'd driven there. We all know you've got to get there in the morning. The early bird catches the worm. Naturally, because she'd got there late in the day, the queue times were horrendous. So the only attractions that her and her children went on were the teacups and I think maybe one other sort of fantasy land attraction. That was it. She then proceeded to browse shops on Main Street USA, complaining constantly that everything was overpriced and too expensive, and then explained that it was too cold for the children. You've taken them to Disneyland Paris in January. Honestly, not just the happiest place on earth, but definitely the most expensive place on earth in the freezing cold. You can't complain it's cold and you can't complain about the cost. But what's really upset me about this video is that naturally, as I'm sure you can imagine, she got quite a lot of backlash, but she also got quite a lot of people supporting her, saying, I've always felt guilty for not taking my children to Disneyland, and you've just confirmed that I shouldn't do it. It's a waste of money. It's a waste of energy. It's a waste of time. She posted a response 
saying, oh, look, I've annoyed the Wokies. I've annoyed the Disney community and all of the comments on those videos. Oh, yeah, you've got to be careful with Disney adults and their pitchforks. No. Do you know what? The Disney adults that have commented on the first video, which I include myself in that, have been really, really polite. They've said things like, hey, please don't let this video put you off Disney. It seems as though the creator hadn't done her research. You know, there are things she could have done that there are, you know, you can get there first thing in the morning. There are places to warm up and so on and so forth. The Disney community weren't trying to call this lady out. They were actually being really kind. But what's happened is that age old tale. Here come the Disney adults. They won't say anything bad about Disney. Well, we're here to tell you today on this episode that we are going to complain about Disney and the Disney company and some of their decisions because we are level-headed. We just want people to make the most out of their trip. And for me, as somebody that is very passionate about Disney, I get upset when I see those kind of videos because I know that this creator could have had an amazing time at Disneyland Paris had she just done a little bit of research and preparation. So for number one, the hate towards the Disney adult movement, just the whole Disney adult thing. It's a really negative space online, the way that we get tarnished with it. And I don't like it. I completely agree. I didn't even think of that one, but that if I had, that would definitely be on my list as well. I hate when people have an opinion about other people's interests. Like it's not, you know, Disney adults, we're not doing anything you know, that's harmful to anyone else or dangerous. It's a perfectly healthy, safe, nice hobby to have. So why do people find it so bizarre that adults are still really into Disney? I think it was Hugh from 37 Disney Street who said, I think it was even like an episode a couple of years ago now that he just doesn't tell people anymore and when they're going on holiday that they're going to Disney World again or whatever, Disney on Paris again, because he was met too many times with again don't you ever go anywhere else what what does it matter to you like it's my holiday it's my money if I want to go to Disney year in year out and that's how I spend my money fine it's not doing you any damage just leave me alone why do people have such an opinion over adults that are into Disney I completely agree it it, yeah this is a really good one to, to have on your list you started strong I did start strong. It was front of mind because this TikTok video has really, really upset me. And hey, if that content creator is listening, we'll gladly give you our tips and tricks for how to maximize a January Disneyland Paris trip next time you take your kids. Absolutely. So the first one that I'm going in with, and again, I think pretty much everyone, unless you're one of these people, would have this on your list. But it is, of course, the bulk buyers and the fact that Disney allows this to happen. So What I'm talking about is every time there's an exclusive piece of merchandise released or it happened when Splash Mountain, it was announced Splash Mountain was going to be going and rebranded as the Princess and the Frog. And you get these people that go in, generally people that have season passes so they can go into the park anytime they they wish or please and basically buy up as much merchandise as they can and then stick it on eBay or wherever they can and sell it for a premium price. Now, Obviously, this is a massive problem with the people that are going in and doing this. However, Disney seem to keep allowing this to happen and they need to stop it. They have tried to put measures in place before, but it almost feels like they're doing it to make it look like they are doing something. So with the figment popcorn buckets, for example, which I think that was last year when they got released at Walt Disney World and there was ridiculous queues uh, around the park to, to get them. And they limited it to two per person. Now, 
if you're a family of four, that's still eight popcorn buckets that you can get, right? And the chances are, you know, maybe if you've got two kids, maybe they're going to keep one each. And then you've still got six that you can sell online. Disney need to stop this. Absolutely. And they need to make it so that only it's like one or two per family or something, or they just need to limit it. I mean, that's an example of when they have tried to put measures in place to limit this. I remember with the Splash Mountain thing, seeing images on social media of people walking out literally with bags and bags and bags of stuff. And it just gets put on eBay for a premium price. And I don't know if it's worse or these people are as bad, but then the people that actually go online and buy it. And you have it all the time, you know, with um, like the Minnie Mouse, Minnie Mouse main attraction when they had the Disney ears, they sell like hotcakes. And you can guarantee that it's because people are bulk buying and buying as many as they can. And then you've only got to go on half an hour later after they're released and see them on eBay already for like $200 or something ridiculous. So yeah, this is my biggest thing. I hate these people, but I hate that Disney allow this to happen. Oh, me too. It absolutely drives me mad. And you were just saying there that Disney have things in place or like they say they do. But when I was in Orlando in October, honestly, I think I told this story at the time on the podcast, but I saw these two guys, they came in together, but they ended up going to the queue, like to the till separately. And both of them must have had like 20 of these pink metallic Starbucks mugs, like tumblers with a straw, Disney ones. And it's like, I know exactly where that's going, like where you're going to be selling those. As you say, Tash, they're going to be on eBay before the day is over. The cast members serving them at the checkout must know as well. And I do find it shocking. Now, one of the parks, we did speak about this in the news recently, is that Tokyo has made a rule. And it's like, I I can't remember exactly what it is, but I think there's like a two or three of each item per person. And I think that having that in place is a really good thing. Now, it's not foolproof. I could go to the Animal Kingdom and pick up five spirit jerseys and then hop over to Magic Kingdom and pick up five there as well. But that's a lot more effort. And at the moment, especially in the American parks, it seems like it's easy pickings, right? And at least if it was a little bit more difficult to do it, it might deter some people. Now, the Shop Disney website has like a limit of two item per person in the UK if it's something exclusive like Mickey and the Main Attraction that you just spoke about, Tash. That's the irony as well, isn't it? The Mini and the Main Attraction sold out like hotcakes, couldn't get hold of it mickey in the main attraction all the lounge flies are in that disney character warehouse at the moment in orlando selling for 30 dollars because no one wanted it and it's just it's this supply and demand issue and we are just as bad as consumers because we kind of fuel it and i try and think really hard now when i do make a disney purchase am i buying this because i love it or am i buying this because i know it's exclusive and it's hard to get hold of yeah, no, I, it is it is very true. And I think sometimes you have to, yeah, kind of use your brain over your heart with with a lot of this stuff. Um, you know, do you necessarily need another lounge flight, another spirit jersey? And we are suckers for it. But yeah, I if I'm if I'm paying for it, I want the money to go to Disney. I do not want it to go into the pockets of these greedy people who keep doing this and ruining it for everyone. Fair enough. Right. Number three, my third reason or our collective third reason as to why I hate Disney. I hate how expensive Disney is. Now, I know this is a little bit controversial because I just said, you know, why is this woman on TikTok complaining about how expensive Disney is? I don't think it's a reason to not go. I think once you're there, you do kind of have to suck it up. The most magical place on earth comes with a very hefty price tag. 
But it does infuriate me, some of the decisions that the company have made recently that are pure money-making exercises. Now, lots of you will be aware that under Bob Chapek, Walt Disney World started charging for parking at Disney hotels, which is just crazy. I think it was something ridiculous, like $25 a day when I was staying at Coronado Springs. It was so expensive that my husband and I did the maths, and it was actually quicker for us to get Ubers everywhere, including to and from Tampa for an NFL game, than it was for us to get a car and pay for the parking at Disney every day. So it's just absolutely crazy. Now, luckily, our hero and savior, Bob Iger's returned and he scrapped that parking charge. So that's amazing. But there are so many other things that make me furious. And again, you mentioned Hugh at 37 Disney Street. I'm going to mention his lovely wife, Lucy. She said recently on a podcast episode how cross she gets that you have to pay now to reserve seating at shows. So something like the Lion King show at Disneyland Paris, if you want to guarantee entry to that show, you can pay for premier access. I think that all premier access is appalling. And I'm still, you can carve this into my tombstone one day when I'm dead, because it is honestly my life's mission. I have never ever in my life paid for premier access in Disneyland Paris for anything. Attraction shows nothing. I also, when I was in Orlando, did not pay for Genie Plus for anything. Attractions, one-off attractions, the Fast Pass, whatever it's called. I've forgotten what it's called now. Is it? I think that's premier as well. I can't remember, but the, the ad hoc ones and also the Genie Plus that you pay for daily. I didn't do any of that. And I'm really proud of that. And I'm going to try my best to stick to that for as long as I possibly can, because I just think think it's wrong when it was free for so many years. Honestly, it annoys me beyond compare. I get that the drinks are expensive. I get that the food is expensive, but that kind of doesn't annoy me as much because it's a bit like when you go to a festival or you go skiing and there's like one little restaurant at the top of the mountain. Of course, it's 10 euros for a plate of chips. They know that you're starving and you don't have any other options. It's, you know, you talk, th think about things like Glastonbury or wedding festival and you pay like five, five pounds for a can of drink that you could have got outside in Tesco for like two pounds because they know you're trapped in inside the festival. Like I get that. We're used to that as a, as a concept, as human beings. Again, it's that supply and demand thing. That's fine. I mean, it's not fine, but I can live with that. The thing that annoys me is these added little extras, things like breakfast at Disneyland Paris. You used to get your breakfast for free at Disneyland Paris if you were a hotel guest. And what lots of Disney fans used to enjoy doing, not saying I ever did this, but was making a little ham and cheese roll or a ham and cheese croissant at breakfast time, wrapping it up in a napkin and then storing it away later in the day as your lunch, which, you know, if you're a student and you're there on a trip with your friends from uni, it's hard times, desperate times. So I think, you know, the fact that you now have to pay is a ridiculous amount of money for breakfast as well. It's like you might as well just upgrade to the half board because the breakfast is so expensive. And that was free. I've said this many times, but give it 10 years and I guarantee you won't get your Disney park tickets included in your Disneyland Paris hotel. I'm waiting for that to happen. Yeah. I, do you know what cost was also on my list as, as well and how expensive it is. And I think everything that you said there is exactly the reasons why I thought it as well. For me as well, it's, it's an exclusivity thing. Like Walt very much wanted Disney to be for everyone. And with the fact that these prices are constantly rising, it's expensive to go to Disney anyway. Right. 
But for a family of, of four, let's say, who maybe could have afforded it a few years ago, now they've got to pay for breakfast. Now, if they go and it's a once in a lifetime trip, oh, they want to go on this ride, but they can't because it's busy. Oh, they can't get a fast pass because they've got to pay for it. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it stands in the favor of rich, wealthy people that can afford premier access and, and can do this and reserve seats at shows. Again, I get that, you know, it's an expensive place to go. I get that the, the food and things and merchandise are, are a lot of money. And, and like you said, my issue is not with that. It's all these added extras that Disney are now charging for. The fact that they are charging for shows is absolutely, it's a joke. Like, I honestly don't know how they thought they could get away with this. And what annoys me more is that people are actually buying into it and doing it. Because if you do it, if you pay for it, Disney are just going to keep doing it. And they're going to look and they're going to see what else they can start charging for. A hundred percent. That's why I won't do it. I will not do it. It's a principal thing. I have got $15 to spare to go on, you know, I don't know, Rise of the Resistance and not Q, but I'm not doing it because it's the principal. And, you know, we talk there, the, the show thing. Let's be honest, Disney have been doing this for actually quite a long time, but through the guise of like a dining package. And I did that in California. I was only there for two days or three days, I think it was, I knew I wanted front row seats for Fantasmic. It's not like Fantasmic in Walt Disney World where you've got the amphitheater. It's everyone crammed into Frontierland. And I knew I wanted preferred seating. So what did I do? I bought a dining package. So yes, I've kind of paid for that peace of mind, but it didn't feel like it because I actually got a three course dinner that cost that much anyway. It was kind of wrapped up, you know, sugar coated with a cherry on top and a nice bow to look as though I was just paying for a dinner. But of course it gave me that added benefit and I kind of don't mind things like that I see that akin to like paying for princess breakfast it's like yeah all right I'm paying an extortionate amount for this breakfast I'm not paying for the food I'm paying for the convenience of not having to queue for three hours to see these princesses with my kids in a more you know they can see these characters in a more leisurely environment that's always been a thing character dining dining packages with shows attached that sort of stuff but to actually have a preferred access for something like the Lion King show which is accessible for everybody it's not it's not even like me going to Fantasmic and having preferred seating doesn't stop somebody else from seeing Fantasmic. It just means I've got a better view. That's what I'm annoyed about is like with The Lion King, there's stories that people are turning up at the sh for the showing and being turned away because so many people have done the premiere access just to get in that there's no space for people that aren't paying. And I'm sorry, but that's elitist. And I saw it as well in Walt Disney World, I think I mentioned this at the time, actually, Tash, we, we spoke in the news about how Premier Access in Orlando is actually getting more expensive. And I said, I know it sounds really awful of me because I just don't agree with the whole thing. But actually, if it's too expensive, that's a good thing because more people will stop using it. And what I was witnessing in Florida, maybe we should have just had Premier Access and Fastpass, Disney Plus, Genie, God, I don't even know what it's called now. This whole Genie Plus nonsense. Maybe this should have been a separate thing. But what I was witnessing was because the cost for Genie Plus was relatively accessible, especially for those of us in the UK, because they did that 50% off for the cost of, your, I think it was like £6 a day or something to add it on. What it meant was everyone and their dog had GD Plus. And so the normal standby queue was just not getting anywhere because everyone was coming in for Genie Plus. 
And actually, there needs to be less people using it to make the standby queue more manageable. So I do understand why the price is going. I mean, it's been scientifically proven that if you've got a fast pass lane or any sort of quick lane in a theme park, it makes the overall queue time longer for everyone else. It's like the complete opposite of democracy. And I'm just, I'm sorry, FastPass felt democratic, even though it made the standby line longer because everyone had that equal opportunity to go and get, it was just how much effort you put in. Can you be bothered to get into the park early, head straight to the FastPass and be strategic? But this is genuinely fiscal. And as I say, I'm in a very fortunate position. I'm a double income, no kids household. I can afford $15 for my favorite attraction, but I won't do it. I will not do it. Yeah, I think that's my biggest problem with it is that it's it's the exclusivity of it and it's not it's not fair for, for everyone and they should just scrap the whole thing and, and be done with it. So I guess we're on number four because that was cost was my one as, as well and how expensive it is. So are we now on number five? Yes. So I'm back on five now because we had a dual three and four. So number five, I have got, and I'll be interested to see if you've got this one as well, Tash. I've got live action remakes. I absolutely, I hate them all. Let's be honest. I'll put them all in the same bucket. Yeah, the Aladdin one is quite charming. Do I need it? No, I don't need it. I certainly don't need Emma Watson's auto-tuned voice in Beauty and the Beast. Now, Cinderella's an interesting one. Cinderella's got quite a big fan base. There are a lot of people that love the live action Cinderella. And sure, it's whimsy, it's cute, but... I don't need it. I said what I said. I'm excited about The Little Mermaid. I love all of the videos on TikTok and Instagram of the little black girls watching the trailer and going, oh my God, she's black. She looks like me. Like that is honestly the most joyous thing. If you haven't seen these videos and don't know what I'm talking about, go, please go and type in like children reacting to live action Little Mermaid because you are in for a treat. Do I need the film? No, Cruella was great, but I don't put Cruella in the category of a live action remake. I also don't put Maleficent in that category. I don't love Maleficent, but I still don't put it in that category. They're different. They're kind of prequels. Like they're just, they're based on a singular character. I'm talking directly about these movies that are genuinely remakes of the original classics, the same storyline, the same characters and so on. Dumbo by Tim Burton, absolutely not. Pass, hard pass. Jungle Book, no. I actually didn't mind the Jungle Book, but again, I I don't need it. I certainly don't need Lady and the Tramp, and I certainly don't need The Lion King. So for me, I'm sorry if one of these movies is your favourite, but live action remakes are a hard pass for me. This list is going to be like six things we hate about Disney because live actions is on, on my list as well. We should have conferred before but um yeah again I find that when you talk to people who aren't Disney fans as a Disney fan and they start critiquing or criticizing the Disney company the Walt Disney company it gets very hard to defend the Walt Disney company when they keep churning out the same old stuff and what did Walt want Walt wanted change and he wanted development and he wanted to always move forward I wonder what he would think about them constantly churning out the same old stuff and remaking all these movies we don't need it I like the Beauty and the Beast remake I like the Aladdin remake I'm very excited about the Little Mermaid remake I'm not gonna lie but again like you said we do not need them and it just feels like it doesn't feel like a novelty anymore and it doesn't feel like 
I'm getting excited that, oh, this is going to be like a, a, a one-off. Great. You know, I'd really like to see how they do that. It's almost like they're now just going through the catalogue and picking out what they can. And I annoy myself because, of course, I'm going to pay to go and see The Little Mermaid at the cinema. And then they're going to look at the box office figures and be like, great. Yeah, everyone loves these remakes. So we'll keep churning them out. No, they need to come up with some more new original live action content like let's look at the original enchanted brilliant film why are we not producing anything like that these days obviously we had disenchanted but that went straight to disney plus and it was a bit hit and miss but why are we not producing any brilliant live action originals the princess diaries another great example I completely agree. And do you know what I'm going to add to this with the live action? I'm also going to add maybe this is maybe this is the next one on the list um, as we as we duplicated and doubled up again. But these really awful sequels that we don't need that happen like 12 years after the original Disenchanted, Hocus Pocus 2. I don't need them. I really, really don't. And I agree with you, Tash. I feel like I was really excited about Beauty and the Beast. I didn't mind it. I do think Emma Watson's vocal is awful and it was pretty bad at the time. But when you watch it now with hindsight, it's even worse. And small things like Ewan McGregor putting on a French accent, that didn't need to happen. But anyway, I like it as a whole. It's it's harmless. I really like Aladdin. I think Aladdin's great, but you're right. The more of them the crea- they create, the more the novelty kind of wears off. And like Cinderella's good because it's like almost like a straight play. Like it doesn't feel like a musical. I guess there aren't as many songs in Cinderella, but Beauty and the Beast, Lion King and Jungle Book and Aladdin are carbon copies pretty much. I do think also, again, just kind of spitballing the first thing you said about the more they do it the less kind of impact they have because then it just it feels like it's not novel and they're just sort of churning it out I also wonder if it was things like Hunchback of Notre Dame Pocahontas or I don't know Atlantis really random choices like would that draw people in because I feel you know I've I've got a niece I've got godchildren they're very familiar with Cinderella, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin anyway. But would it be an opportunity with these live actions to introduce them to some of the Disney movies that maybe they're not so aware of? Hercules is one that gets spoken about time and time again. Wouldn't it be amazing if we had a live action Hercules? But they're going for like the obvious choices, you know, the big hitters. And it's just, it's predictable now. Yeah, I completely agree. These The but they're classics for a reason. We don't need them to to be remade at all. So, yeah, I think that let's let's call that as five and six, as it were. I think it was five and six anyway. Live action remakes and outdated sequels that we don't need. Sounds good. So this is number seven now, right? Yes, I think so. Okay, who knows? Who knows at this point? I think this is seven. So number seven, I've gone for an age-old classic, especially for our loyal listeners. I have got Disneyland Paris food. It is awful. Now, I will caveat this with it is getting a lot better, and I sincerely mean that. Those little food stalls next to the Ratatouille area in Walt Disney Studios are amazing, and I've heard some good things about Pim Kitchen, which has just opened in Avengers Campus as well. So It is getting better. I mean, when I used to go frequently in sort of the late 2010s, like what do you call that era? The 20 teens? I don't know. Like 2014. 
Yeah, the late noughties. Well, no, because the late noughties, I think, of like 2008. Yeah. I don't know. The 10s, the 2010s is what I'm talking about. 10 years ago, basically. Gosh, we're getting old. The food there was horrendous. The surface was always second best it was it was shocking at Disneyland Paris it really was and then of course Disney bought out the other company that had a big stake and now it's 100% owned by Disney just like Disneyland just like Walt Disney World and you can tell we've got dining plans we don't get breakfast in the morning I'm joking but it's true so the food is getting better but honestly and it's been a hot minute since we mentioned this but that salad that Tash and I ate in January 2020 at Disneyland Paris from Hakuna Matata was the worst food I've ever consumed in a theme park. And I'm including places like Thought Park in that. I'm I'm including Puffy Pizza. I'm including Theme Park Nugs. It was diabolical. It was basically just a bowl of iceberg lettuce with like boiled chicken and some pineapple. There was no sauce. There were no other vegetables, no nice leafy greens. It was a a travesty, I would say. I'd say it was nothing short of a travesty. I enjoyed a plantain curry at Captain Jack's back when it was Blue Lagoon. The plantain was frozen and, and not frozen the movie. It was frozen. It hadn't been defrosted. I've also eaten, I've eaten so many disgusting things at Disneyland Paris, honestly. Just things that shouldn't even be gross. Like, you know, you get a hamburger and chips and the burger's dry and the chips are cold. It's just the quality is just not there. It is getting better, but you do have to be smart. And even when you get amazing food, you get terrible service. So lots of you will remember that the joke of my hen party, the kind of story that everyone tells is that we went to the Ratatouille restaurant we all had a lovely soup starter. Most of us had the steak for our main. And then we all finished with the chocolate ganache, which Tash and I are big, big fans of. But it took an hour for our drinks to come. And the reason we found this so funny is that a few of us actually rode the Ratatouille attraction twice while we were waiting for our starter to come. That's that's how bad this service was. So it seems at Disneyland Paris, you kind of get one or the other. You get okay service or kind of bland food or really good food, but then some really terrible, shocking service. So it's a crying shame because I don't like how much hate Disneyland Paris gets. I think that actually... When I went to the Magic Kingdom last year, I realized how much Disneyland Paris has got going for it as a park. When you think about the attractions in that park, we've got the best version of Space Mountain. We've got the best version of Big Thunder Mountain. Phantom Manor is an amazing, unique attraction. We've got Star Tours in our main park. That's quite rare. Normally Star Tours, you know, in, in Florida at least, Star Tours is in Hollywood Studios. We have that in our Discovery Land. It's stunning. It's visually, without doubt, I think, the most beautiful castle park. And that's what Mike Eisner was going for when they created Disneyland Paris. So it really does upset me to do the dirty on Disneyland Paris. It is our home park and the one that I have the most memories of. But the food there is just appalling. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Our friend Laura will be delighted that you mentioned the Kuna Matata salad. She literally texted us a couple of days ago saying that we hadn't mentioned it on, on the podcast for, for a while. But it seems with Disneyland Paris, even the most basic things, like you said, they can't get right. Like I remember that we went and it was the frozen celebration or whatever they called that season. And seeing some of those snacks, you would have like 
a muffin with frozen sprinkles and it would have like five sprinkles on and they would be all on the side falling off like stuck on the paper like how how is that that difficult to get on like my six-year-old niece has made more attractive muffins than than that I don't understand how they're failing so badly at this yeah and like french patisserie like there should be in the main street bakery bakery like there should be little patisserie cakes iced you know a little pink imagine little patisserie like um you know those like tiered kind of like opera cakes like a slice of opera cake different characters you could have a gorgeous pink and white one with like marie's bow in the corner like there's some really amazing sort of pastries and things you could do but every single item in that bakery is either a dry muffin with no sauce and three sprinkles or this favorite staple of Disneyland Paris, a bloody shortbread with Nutella. It's always two shortbreads stuck together with a bit of Nutella. Always. I don't even think Nutella's French. No, it's not. Yeah, it's really, it's, it's, it's quite, it's disappointing. Now, as I say, I am caveating this with the fact that it is getting better. I actually had a really amazing Instagrammable snack on my hen. I, I, apologies, it was a shortbread, but still it was a shortbread mini shaped coated in white chocolate that had been dyed lilac and she had a white chocolate bow which had been dyed like a blush pink so it was this gorgeous kind of pastely pinky lilac-y millennial dream that was very instagrammable and very tasty but I mean that that's the only snack I can think of in the 31 years that I've been going to Disneyland Paris that I actually wanted to take a picture of and put on my Instagram feed yeah, I'm very, very excited to see what the snack game is like and the food game in general when I go in a couple of months' time. So kind of sticking with parks, I'm going to go for a park one as well. And something I hate about Disney is how messy the parks have become. And I don't mean in terms of litter. Obviously, they have a bin, however many every feet it is, so there is no litter. But it's the fact that the parks don't really make sense anymore. So you have a random attractions here and there, Let's look at Walt Disney World, for example. Star Tours is in the main is in Magic Kingdom. Is it in Magic Kingdom? No, it's it's in Hollywood Studios. In Hollywood Studios. But, Edge. Yeah, but then you've got Galaxy's Edge. And I know, I know that obviously Galaxy's Edge is new and they need the space to create it, but come on, like surely you could just pick up Star Tours and no, it doesn't work like that, and move it a few feet and put it in Galaxy's Edge. It's things like that annoy me. I know a lot of people are going to hate me for this and I know I'm not a Marvel fan. I hate going to the parks and seeing Spider-Man there and all the Marvel creatures, creatures, Marvel characters and Marvel rides. I'm not, I'm not a fan of that. I don't hate it so much now they've got Avengers Campus and that it's all kind of together in one area. That doesn't bother me so much. But it's things like in Shanghai Disney, for example, you would have a Spider-Man meet and greet right near the Dumbo attraction. That doesn't make sense. I find it jarring. It kind of takes me out of the escapism and the, and the reason that I'm there. I, I can get on board more with Star Wars being being in the parks, but I think that's just because, for me, it always has been. And I know that probably sounds like not hypocritical but you know what I mean I think like you know because I I it's always been there since I went I'm fine with it whereas Marvel is new so that's why I don't like it but yeah I think that they just need to kind of sort the parks out a little bit I, I think they've kind of they're trying or they were trying to do it a little bit with California Adventure 
um, in California, but obviously by um, making California Adventure Park more Pixar based and putting all the Pixar stuff over there. But just go the whole hog and turn the whole thing Pixar. I mean, obviously they've got like the Pixar Pier now instead of Paradise Pier, but just make the whole park Pixar, get a Little Mermaid attraction out of there, get whatever else you've got in there out of there and just keep it nice and neat and clean so we know where we stand, please and thank you. Yeah, I don't disagree with you, Tash. It's funny, you're going to have to put aside your prejudices in March because you're going to be the woman on the ground telling us all about Avengers Campus, the irony of that. We'll need you in Pim Kitchen trying those jumbo sandwiches on Web Slingers or whatever the Paris version's called. And of course, the new nighttime drone show as well featuring Captain Marvel and Doctor Strange. You're going to have to take it all in, Tash. But yes, I do agree. I think that... It bothers me less than it bothers you. But I do know what you, for me, I guess I would expand on this point and I would just say like IP in general. I hate that the kind of Disney whimsy is lost. And I think that some parks are better at it than others. Like in Epcot, you know, we spoke in the news today about Figment and how Figment's got his own booth at the Festival of the Arts. Figment is just a park character But even that annoys me, actually, because Figment's getting a film, isn't he? Like, they can't just leave it alone. Like, they always have to do this. They did it with Pirates of the Caribbean. They did it with Haunted Mansion. It didn't work. So they're doing it again. They have to blend them. It is is annoying. I think for me, I, I, I do know what you mean. I think one that I find really weird and I will never, ever get on board with, I found it weird at the time when they announced it. And even now that Disney has acquired Fox, I still don't like it. I don't like Avatar being in a Disney park. And I certainly don't like it in Animal Kingdom. Now, don't get me wrong. I think it is visually stunning. And I think that the attraction, Flight of Passage, is magnificent. And the animatronic, obviously, on Navi Navi River Journey, even though it is probably the worst ride Disney's ever made, the animatronic, obviously, is absolutely out of this world and and looks like a real living creature. I don't dismiss any of that. I think that it's an amazing experience and anyone going to Walt Disney World absolutely has to go and pay a visit. Does it belong in a Disney park? No. Could I see it in Universal? Absolutely. And should it be in Animal Kingdom? No, it's fantasy. Everything else in Animal Kingdom is factual, even dinosaurs. They're historically accurate creatures, right? But then we've got this mythological fiction based on a James Cameron movie from the noughties. It it just doesn't work for me. I've got a real issue with that. I like that all of the Marvel stuff that we've seen so far is being contained within Avengers Campus. That makes a lot of sense to me. But then we're going to have this problem with Disneyland Paris as well, because In Disneyland Paris, we're meant to be getting a Galaxy's Edge in Walt Disney Studios, although they've gone very quiet on that. And then you've got your Avengers Campus as well. And then you've got that big Pixar area with the Ratatouille ride and the Cars ride. You've got Toy Story Land as well. So you've got all this like sort of outside IP that I think works very harmoniously together. And I like that as a concept. But then what else are they building? Frozen Land. Frozen Land's got no place there. That should be in the main park. It should be an extension of Fantasyland. So yeah, I, I do agree with you, Tash. I, I wonder sometimes what, who is making these decisions. Yeah, and also where where do you draw draw the line? I mean, like the day I see the Simpsons, Simpsons, the Simpsons in a Disney park, I'm out. I tell you, like that is too much for me. I agree, and I and I the thing is, we won't see it 
in California or Orlando because Universal have got the the rights. And maybe that means we won't ever see it anywhere because let's be honest, the American parks are kind of how they make decisions basically for everybody else really. But I mean, yeah, I mean, there's an Anastasia mug being sold in Walt Disney Studios. Are we going to see a Bart Simpson t-shirt? And I agree with you, Tash, Fox is where I draw the line because even if it's not Simpsons, what if it's like Ice Age or Epic or any of these other like Fox, you know, Ron's gone wrong or whatever it's good. like none of that for me, none of that belongs in a Disney park. It's it's one step away from like DreamWorks. It's just it's no or or DC, you know, seeing Batman in a in a Disney park. It, it feels so separate. And I know that they own it, but yeah, I just I I I kind of I do know what you mean with the Spider-Man thing. Like if I saw a kid dressed as Spider-Man in the main castle park, you'd be a bit like, what are you doing? Like, why are you dressed like that? Whereas, you know, a Jedi or a Stormtrooper, I can kind of let that slide. I like, as I say, that with the Marvel stuff, it is contained within Avengers Campus. It is going to draw in a lot of people. There are a lot of Marvel fans out there, myself included, I'm really excited for the Spider-Man attraction and also for the new Iron Man attraction, Avengers Flight Force, which was the rock and roller coaster. So yeah, I just, I I, I agree. Even, even, and now I really am going to get people coming after me with a pitchfork, the Disney adults. I, I was being ironic if anyone thinks I'm now being a hypocrite. But when I was in Hollywood studios, even like the Indiana Jones stunt show, like we kind of just accept that Indiana Jones is in Walt Disney Studios and in Disneyland in California because it always has been. But again, like that's really random. It's like, I don't know, speed having like a an attraction where you're on the back of a bus or you'd, like the Armageddon ride. Like why was there an Armageddon ride? There is some really odd things in, in Disney parks. There definitely are. And it would be so easy to reskin these rides into something into something else and something more appropriate, I feel. So yeah, this is a big one that that gets me. Okay. So I think we're on maybe eight. So we've got one more each. Yeah. So this is number nine for me. And this one's a bit of a cop out, but it kind of links to everything else. So my final reason for why I hate Disney is that they can charge us premier access. They can give us the worst pizzas and burgers known to man. They can give us live action remakes of movies that we've watched a hundred times with no imagination or inspiration. They can do all this awful stuff. And yet here we are spending an hour a week to you, you know, the lovely listeners listening to us go on and on and on about Disney. They have got us by hook and by crook. So my final reason for why I hate Disney is how addictive it is, really. I mean, I joke about this and say my kind of immersion into the Walt Disney Company was baptism by fire. I really didn't have a choice in the matter. I was very much raised on it by my mum. But I just, you know, it would be really convenient to me and my finances if I didn't like Disney quite so much. And I don't know how to shake it like other hobbies and interests in my life kind of come and go I'm not proud of this but I used to be really into Twilight 
I was really into Harry Potter. I spoke about that a couple of weeks ago, actually, how at one point I liked Harry Potter more than Disney and Tash can can vouch for that. The Sims, I remember I upset Tash once when we were about 13 because we were going away together for the summer. I think we were going to Alton Towers and Tash was like, oh, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. And I remember saying to you, you probably don't even remember this. I was like, I'm more excited for when The Sims 2 comes out. And you were like, what? And I was like, I'm more excited about Sims 2. Like, there's genetics. So, like, you can have, like, a mum and a dad. And, like, the baby's actually going to look like the parents. I can't wait to play. And you were like, right, you're so strange. So I'm very much... um, Tash always says I've got like an addictive personality I do get very I'm very all or nothing I like to know everything there is to know about a topic um but for some reason you know the twilight obsession is definitely gone the sims one kind of comes and goes in waves harry potter I'm very much over that but disney just I can't quite get rid of it. What's that line from that movie? That romance is it? Like, teach me how to quit you, or I don't know how to quit you. I think that might be from like something like Twilight. I can't even remember. Um, but yeah, I don't know how to quit Disney. No, me neither. I think that's a great one for for you to finish off with. Um, yeah, I don't know how to quit Disney either. We would be, you know, a lot more financially healthy if it wasn't for for Disney and going on to shop Disney and buying yet another spirit jersey yet another pair of 30 pound ears or whatever it is um but yeah it it has got us and it's not going to go anywhere anytime soon and I'm raising my son on it as well so I'm doing exactly what my parents did did to me and I'm hopefully passing down the obsession and there we go yeah it is it is what it is It's quite disgusting, actually. Like, I remember when I was, like, at uni, I got really, really into makeup, like, really, really into it. One of my friends is a makeup artist, and I met her at uni, and I I wore makeup, but I think that's really when, like, the YouTube makeup generation sort of was born, and I became obsessed. I knew, you know, all the MAC lipstick shades, all the eyeshadows. Someone would just have to wear a MAC lipstick and I'd be like right that's syrup that's whatever velvet teddy I could just tell very very into makeup and I remember once I actually and this was when I was a uni student as well I sat there and I added up like all of my MAC makeup just to know what it came to and I was quite disgusted and realized I had a problem and I'm just thinking about spirit jerseys right spirit jerseys are what 70 pounds a pop I think I've got 10 like that's actually disgusting it's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's mental when you think about it like that. It's awful. It's disgust. It's it's actually disgusting. Like what I could do. I mean, I don't actually know that I've got ten, but if I had to guess roughly, I can definitely think of five just without even thinking. I know that I had too many spirit jerseys to wear in Florida, but that's also because I pack too much and you don't always need a jumper in Florida because it's hot. But I know I didn't get to wear them all in Florida, and I bought one when I was out there. Yeah, there we go. And like, I know I've got, have I got three or four? I've got three or four and I'm going to buy one again when I go to Paris. I don't need it, but I know I'm going to do it. It's addictive. It's bad though, isn't it? Like, and, and the ears as well, they are like £30 now and ears. I mean, I've got ears coming out my ears. <laughs> I didn't mean to do that. <laughs> I've got, I have got ears coming out my ears. But no, I reckon I've got like 20 pairs of ears. I've definitely got more than 14 because I took more than one a day when I went to Orlando and I didn't take them all. So I think it's fair to assume that I've got 20. What's that? 600 pounds of ears? I know. I just I just don't think of it like that because it will depress you. And it <laughs> is 
I think we've done that. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I've got one more. So I'm going to move on swiftly from that before we start uh, adding up how much money we've spent on Disney over the years. And my final one is the fact that Disney seem to be neglecting poor old Pixar. And by this, I mean the quality of films that they've really recently released. I would say probably since 2020, I think the last decent film in my eyes really was Onward, which did have a cinematic release just before the pandemic. Since then, we've had Soul, we've had Luca, we've had Turning Red and we've had Lightyear. All kind of okay I haven't seen anyone really rave about any of these films. Mercedes, I know you quite like Turning Red. For me, all of these films are very, I'll take or leave them. I fell asleep in Luca and never actually finished watching it again. Um, Turning Red wasn't a huge fan of. Lightyear, again, wasn't that interested, kind of switched off halfway through. And I just think it's a bit of an insult to the people behind these movies that are creating them. That I know Lightyear had a cinema release, but the rest of them haven't. And I just think that... It's quite insulting to the people that work so hard on these, you know, bringing their visions to life and slaving away to voice these characters and create them, you know, digitally and everything, that they're then not given the release that they should deserve. But then watching these films, they're not cinema quality. They don't deserve that. And I don't know what it is, but I think that it's definitely lost its way a little bit. When you can when you compare these more recent movies to the likes of Monsters, Inc., Finding Nemo. They were so emotive. You know, I cry my eyes out every time at all those movies. I don't think there's an early Pixar film, actually, that I haven't ever cried or cried at. And I think the thing that was so good about Pixar is that they were so... I mean, I know all Disney movies are family-friendly, but Pixar did that really clever thing where, you know, kids, inverted commas, movie, but with so many adult themes going on through them that really struck a chord with a lot of adults and they really did bring out emotions in a lot of people even you know my dad would get upset at Pixar films like even like the most harsh harsh faced people would you know get upset at the beginning of Up oh my god how could you not and Luca turning red soul just did absolutely nothing for me in terms of of emotion and normally Pixar films are guaranteed to get me and I just think they've lost their way with storytelling and I really hope that things do pick pick up again but I guess you know on one hand we've kind of lost that but then it does seem that Disney are picking up their kind of animated classics obviously we had Moana which was I know Mercedes you weren't a huge fan of that but it did do very well Obviously, Encanto has been huge. So I think it's, you know, swings and roundabouts. It seems like one can't do well. They can't do both do well at the same time. One kind of has to suffer at the expense of the other a little. And I Absolutely. Think it's Disney's time to shine. Yeah, definitely. And Bob Iger flagged this, right? It was in one of the documentaries. It might have been, I don't think it was the Imagineering series because that's about the parks. I can't remember but he was in a Disney park one day and realised that the only contemporary characters that kids cared about were Woody, Buzz, etc. And that's kind of what fueled the Disney renaissance. And that was, um, or not the renaissance, sorry, the um, revival. And that's why we have Princess and the Frog, Tangled, Frozen, etc. Now, for those of you that are relatively new to the Chat Disney podcast, if you go back all the way to our first year of podcasting, we did a little mini series where we explored the different eras of Disney classics. So we looked at the golden era of Snow White, Pinocchio, moving through silver, bronze, the Renaissance, the experimental, and finishing with the revival. 
We then did a similar thing with Pixar movies. Now, the Pixar movies aren't as defined. There's not kind of an agreed definition within the community of what the different eras of Pixar are. So Tash and I took it upon ourselves to create those eras. And again, we moved through kind of golden silver I think we had a dark era as well and the reason I'm mentioning this is because I actually think we're in a new era right now I think we've moved past the Disney classic revival and past whatever the most recent Disney Pixar era was that we defined I can't remember exactly I think that might have been something like um uninspired I think might be what we called it because it was a lot of sequels so it would be interesting I think for us Tash to revisit that at some point because there's been a lot of Disney movies that have come out since we did that you've just mentioned quite a few of them Lightyear, Soul, Turning Red, Inside Out, Encanto, Ralph Breaks the Internet, Frozen 2. There's a plethora of them, right, that we could we could talk about and we will do that. It's interesting because I was about to hard disagree with you and be like, Tash, you're talking nonsense. Turning Red, I love it. I love Four Town. I actually really want a Four Town t-shirt and I'm not joking. I really want one and I wish I'd had one on my recent Walt Disney World trip and I love that song. There's a video at the moment of Sandra O oh, like bopping to the real singers behind Four Town singing the I'm never on your mind and I love it. It gives me like NSYNC vibes and I'm here for it. And I was like ready to come for you and be like, no Tash, you're wrong. But then you started talking about like Finding Nemo and Monsters Inc. And like, it's just not the same. I would say I'm going to die on this hill, but the last great Pixar movie was Toy Story 3. I believe that. Yeah, I think you might be right there. I'm trying to think of what came after that. I think great, yes. Obviously after that, yeah. Inside Out was okay. Um, Toy Story 4, no. The Good Dinosaur, hell no. Like, honestly, that film should never have even been born. Um, and then I can tell you, I've, I've, I've got them here. I've got them here, so I can tell you. So after Toy Story 3, and I could be wrong, let's see. We've got Cars 2, trash, awful. Brave, which was good, but I, I do really like Brave. But again, it doesn't feel Pixar to me. It feels very classic yeah. Disney. Then you've got Monsters University, which is all right, but it's not in the same category as Monsters, Inc. Inside Out, I don't really like. The Good Dinosaur is trash. Finding Dory, I, it's very wishy-washy for me, Finding Dory. Cars 3 is better than Cars 2, but that's not saying much. Okay, I made a mistake. Coco. Oh, came. of course. Yeah, okay. Okay, Coco is the last great Disney Pixar movie. Then we had Incredibles 2, which I find more humorous than the original Incredibles. But again, I'm never going to say that Incredibles 2 is a great movie. I just wouldn't. Then we had Toy Story 4, which honestly for me was the death of that franchise. We have Onward, which is okay. We have Soul, which I like. Luca, which is okay. Turning Red, which I actually really like. But again, I'm not going to say it's a great movie. And then Lightyear, which was trash. So yeah, I would say Disney's... Coco was the last great Pixar movie. But then there was a lot of trash ones before that. So I think Coco was more like a one-off. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the bangers before Toy Story 3, I mean, you've got Toy Story, Bugs Life, Toy Story 2, Monsters, Inc., Finding Nemo, Incredibles, Cars, Ratatouille. Wally's not my favourite, but I know that it's like considered the best Pixar movie of all time and it's in like the top 50 movies of all time on IMDb so I'm happy to fight that one up and Toy Story 3 I mean that is hit after hit after hit after hit even the sequels yeah absolutely so yeah 
that's my last one. A reason I hate Disney, they are neglecting Pixar and it makes me very, very sad. So yeah, there's 10, 9, 8 maybe, who knows, I've lost count, things that we hate about Disney. There we go. And do you agree with us? Maybe not. Maybe you think that the food at Disneyland Paris is amazing. Maybe you are living for the live action remakes. We want to hear from you. Let us know your favorite and worst things about Disney by getting on touch with us. You can find us on Twitter at Chat Disney UK or Instagram at Chat Disney. There is no segment this week, but if there is a segment that you miss, maybe you'd like to have a little quiz between Tash and I, see whose Disney knowledge is the best, or maybe you want to send us a listener shout out, you can absolutely do that. Let us know what you would like to see in future episodes. We always love to hear from you and we will see you at the same place and the same time next week. Bye for now. Bye. Thank you. Goodbye now. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you. Goodbye.